Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Welcome to By the Mash Tun, a podcast by a couple of nerds where we brew some beer, drink some beer, and have a nice little chat about some beer. I'm Mike Harrison Wood, and unlike usual, Cal Noble is not here. It's a special guest episode. We have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing, Mike. Uh, my name's Simon Claiborne, and uh, I'm I'm a mead enthusiast. Hooray! <laughs> That's because today we're making mead. Yeah. Uh, so... Obviously, you're a big fan of mead. What got you into it in the first place? Uh, well, I've worked as an ecologist for many years, so I have become involved with bees in many sticky situations. Um, yes, quite literally sometimes. Nice. <laughs> uh, and that's just kind of led me down the, the roots of uh, traditional English things. Like uh, we, we've done a lot of cider making and things when I, I worked for the Wildlife Trust. And uh, mead was something that we've always enjoyed on our, our little meetups. Um, so I thought I'd give it a go myself one day after realising how much I liked it and how expensive <laughs> it is to buy. Yeah, it's not, it's not the cheapest uh, of uh, products. It's For the ABV, it's a little bit more expensive than wine mm, but, uh, and more expensive than beer, but less expensive than whiskey. So it's, yes. it's a nice little middle ground. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, yeah, and, and so you've been enjoying it since then? Uh, decided yeah. to try it? How'd it go at the start? Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I started brewing mead about three years ago now, uh, and I've used uh, one particular supplier uh, from the very beginning. Uh, it's a, a fellow called Derek um, over by Greenham Common in Newbury, uh, and he he and his wife keep bees. And um, of course, around Greenham Common, it's a really nice big nature reserve. There's no big fields where you're getting flowers that could give any nasty flavours to your honey. So it's just wildflowers, gorse and heather and all things like that that mean that the honey itself tastes fantastic. Yeah, nice. Um, and after trying his honey, I thought, well, this would make absolutely amazing mead. And in fact, it does. Ah, yeah, nice. So, so it, the locality is obviously quite important. I, I yes, didn't realise yeah. the flowers themselves can make it unpleasant or yeah yeah so uh what, one of the really big um points of contention in this modern era is that there's uh, a lot of money to be made out of uh, uh oilseed rape at the moment mm -hmm. uh for biodiesel or just you know salad dressings that kind of thing uh the problem is that it gives a really really nasty bitter taste because of some of the uh really um kind of nasty organic compounds in it that can be quite toxic before it's been processed right so what you really want is uh honey which you know local provenance is always best uh supporting your local beekeepers but of course you also want to make sure that there aren't big fields of things like rapeseed around because right. they can really negatively impact the taste of the honey all right so if you are looking to do this type of thing do put in the work and look for your local honey providers i guess definitely definitely yeah. there, there, there are lots of um groups on the internet that you can find uh local kind of uh apiarist collectives who share share information and resources and yeah nice nice yeah. so what, what do you know about the history of mead how did it get to the where it is now well, it's it's been around for for thousands of years. I mean, the the history goes all the way back to ancient India and Egypt and Greece, and it's it has been enjoyed for a very long time. I suppose it just goes back to the the, the old, oh look, we've got a nice thing. How can we get drunk on it? Yes. Sort of chick. <laughs> that... <laughs> yeah, and bees are in most places around the world. So they they are yeah. indeed. Uh, the the funny thing about our honeybees is that there's only one single species in Europe, just the the European honeybee. 
Um, so it's all reliant on one species, mm. uh, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, a bit scary at the same time. It, it is. So, of course, with the collapse of insect populations around the world at the moment, it, yeah. is, it is of concern. But uh, because they still have some financial financial worth, uh, they they will be protected to some some right. extent. I can imagine. You, you, you can hope. Yes, I guess hope. Definitely hope. <laughs> yes, but I, I presume you're hitting a a particular traditional style of sort of English mead uh, or at least Scandinavian. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, mead arrived, or at least the the, the history of mead in the UK uh, goes all the way back to uh, about five fifty. Um, AD and uh, it was very big with the, the, the Britons and uh, over in Wales and things like that um, so it was a, a big part of Celtic and Norse culture and uh, it was yes very, very 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 highly raved about by ancient Welsh poets oh right yeah. okay and the, the, the thing about honey production is that it's pretty simple as long as nothing comes along and kills your bees off all you've got to do is leave it and then you get a bit of honey stick it with some really basic ingredients and mm. you can just go from there there's not none of the complexity of beer or none of the the difficulty of trying to get um grapevines to grow because like in wales it probably going to happen so no, so wet no. <laughs> very true very true yeah, yeah. where's bees anywhere yeah, yeah it's good yeah, yeah. bit of sunshine some flowers yeah <laughs> it's it's not a product that you see at least uh, to my knowledge not that you see very regularly as well uh for being so prolific hundreds of years ago like uh, i guess it presumably just got overtaken by things like beer and wine and and spirits and yeah yeah absolutely i mean uh since the the sort of height of the medieval period it's really fallen out of favor um supposedly to do with overtaxation so that production kind of just went down to monasteries like famously lindisfarne um, of course, because they were just sort of making it for jollies, they they weren't getting taxed, <laughs> right? Just yeah, for themselves. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what are the processes involved in making mead? Oh, it's brilliant! It's so easy. It's so incredibly <laughs> easy. Because <laughs> because you homebrew beer as well, or you have done in the past. Yes, yeah, yeah. So. I, I I have done, and I I moved over to mead. I mean, uh, my brother got me into homebrewing beer in the first place like almost a decade ago now uh, because when he was at university he and his mates got together and realized why spend three quid on a pint when we can brew it ourselves and spend about 40p um that's a dangerous yes it's very dangerous as <laughs> 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 someone who's just bought a new fermenter that's mm-hmm. mm, yeah oh well. like a, a 30 liter vessel you're gonna yeah have a few headaches <laughs> yeah but yeah i i sort of moved on from there um when I was, I, I, I do enjoy making beer still, but it's just, it's so much easier to make mead. And I find because it's uncommon and like like we said, quite expensive, it's just, it's, you know, it just kind of makes sense to make it myself really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you've got that connections to the local honey producers. Yeah. That, yeah. So yeah, I you get nice, cheap, cheap honey. Yeah. Yep. Nice. So what actually is the process then? It, well, like I, was, I said, it is incredibly simple. It is literally just water honey and sometimes if you feel up to it stick a bit of yeast in so yeah, supposedly right. you don't have to um but i can imagine so uh 
some people do pasteurize honey. Uh, that's not something that I do. I think that's more okay. on like a, a very large industrial scale. It sort of reduces the chances of contamination or infections and stuff like that. But because I'm doing it on a really small scale, I can control everything. Mm. Uh, I seem to be able for the most part to get around that. So you do that before you add the water or anything? Yes. Yeah. So basically you boil the honey through for several minutes on end. Okay. Um, so if you overheat it, basically you kill all of the good bacteria and stuff that's in the honey. Mm. Um, so of course trying to get honey to dissolve in water is a bit tricky so you do have to heat the water up just make sure it's not too hot so that right, you aren't yeah. kind of boiling the honey or you know so can, can you change the flavors with over boiling anything or is that definitely oh, um really? yeah so you can actually apparently this is something that i learned recently uh you can caramelize honey and then make mead from it what yeah what yeah that's amazing <laughs> why would you not want to do that well i yeah I'm, I'm not really sure it's not something i tried yet but i, I can imagine because it's got so much guff in it other organic stuff it could be mm. quite easy to burn it um right because caramelizing sugar can sometimes be a bit tricky if you don't control the heat perfectly yeah, yeah honey yeah. i can imagine it's kind of the same deal mm. so i guess the ideal thing was you take a small percentage caramelize that and then add that back into the rest of it so that you've got that caramel flavor uh, and the live parts yeah. to ferment. And then it's more like homebrewing beer. Yeah. Sort of, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But so that that's that's literally it. You just warm sugar. No, it's sugar. Warm honey. Yeah. Warm water. Yeah, yeah, You just yeah. mix it in a pot. Yep. And, and yeah, just leave it. Um, what? Yeah. That's so easy. <laughs> it's awesome. No one teaches you this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, depending on the amount of um actually yeah it seems like abv is controlled instead of well i mean the way that i've done it is uh you do it more on the amount of honey that you're adding so you're basically the amount of yeast that you're feeding sorry, sorry the amount of sugar that you're feeding to your yeast uh controls the abv so you can get some much lower alcohol percentage um meads out there but they i find don't have that kind of nice meaty flavor right they're, they're a lot more watery so they're a lot of them are um flavored with various mm. things yes as we've seen with the uh, y valley meadery um those of you who've listened to an interview with them a long time ago uh there is yeah a more modern trend of mead that is yeah about five percent mm. carbonated yeah, yeah yeah and isn't normally just mead flavored it's mm. something else as you say yeah Whereas with traditional meat, it is literally just honey flavor. So you really want to pack the, the, the honey in there. Um, yeah, so my, my recipe is nine pounds of honey to uh, one demijohn. So one gallon, five liters of, right. of water, um, which is, yes, yeah, is quite a lot. And then so so what sort of, do, do you do gravity measurements? Or yeah, just... yeah. Um, so it, it kind of levels out. So I, I tend to leave it to ferment for quite some time. So I uh, am very lackadaisical with it, as I'm sure traditional mead brewers were. <laughs> so I, I leave it for about a month to uh, wow, yeah. to, to ferment just fully, um, yeah. just to kind of get as a lot of much alcohol out of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I've not been using specialized yeast either. I've just been using like generic freeze-dry stuff from the supermarket, and it gives fantastic results. Um, oh, right. It does produce a lot of haze and some funkiness sometimes, but for the most part, it's just it's so cheap and easy and readily mm. available. It's just, you know, simple. And presumably with the stuff that is in the honey as well, mm. there's presumably quite a complex culture of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can, I can well imagine. I can imagine it's along the lines of uh, scrumpy, so that mm. with producing scrumpy, you can kind of rely on the yeast that lives on the, the skin of the apple to produce yeah. enough yeast and, yeah, to, to kind of give you what you need. Similarly, a very simple 
process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pre fermentation, I guess. It's interesting stuff. Yeah. Have, have you tried sort of experimenting with yeasts and seeing what happens, or, or, oh, or left well. one without yeast at all? And- oh, I've I've not done that. I would like to, but then. Um, I, I suppose if it doesn't start fermenting, I could just chuck a bit of yeast in. True, and very true. Get it going. But uh, I suppose also if there's anything slightly untoward that isn't yeast, some kind of bacteria, it could just completely screw it up and mm. you know waste some of that lovely honey. Because uh, that's that's one of the big advantages with brewing beer is you, mm. you've got uh, not only have you got a sort of lower pH from uh, some of the malts that will uh, so it doesn't lower the pH drastically, but it's lower than water. Yeah. And also the hops, man, they, they, they are so effective at being antimicrobial yeah. that just it's, it's much harder to get an infection with hopped uh, wort than it is with mm. unhopped wort. Definitely. So I can imagine with uh, mead, well, is it still called mead before fermentation? Is there like the equivalent of wort or is it? Whoa, it's just kind of like watered down honey, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Wa- yeah. Honey water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, you've got to be really careful with your honey water, and mm. and unless you're looking for that wild fermentation flavor. Yeah, I, I'm sure that is something that was done. Um, I mean, historically, there there are lots of natural sources of yeast, like apple skin or uh, juniper berries or things like that. But yeah, within the honey itself, I'm sure there probably is enough to get it going, if if nothing else. Mm. So what what disasters have you had then? Uh, so the last disaster that I had, so it's, I've only had one, one big whoops. And that was basically, I, uh, I didn't properly sterilize everything. I think that was the issue. It could have been that, that there was something in the honey that did it. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it was, but basically, um, I ended up with this really quite impressive protein haze. Okay. Which uh, ended up giving the mead the texture of aloe vera juice, which is <laughs> <What? laughs> yeah, yeah, not exactly what you want um, from something that shouldn't. Yes, like that. Yeah, yeah, it should be nice and smooth. But no, th- this was proper, proper lumpy. Um, but it still tasted really good. It was just you know not not nice to drink. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine like honey flavored snot. Really, did, did you? Because uh, ah, there is a, a slight phenomenon. A phenomenon. You see in aged beer mm. uh, called ropiness that comes in, or, or snotty. It was sort of thing kind of like similar to that. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. I believe it. Uh, if you're barrel aging stuff and that mm. type of thing, there are certain uh, wild uh, bacterias that can get in that cause that ropiness, um, but then uh, give it longer. Give it like twelve months later, and that ropiness disappears on its own, and mm. I, down to the. Uh, I think there are some people that very specifically prefer the flavor of beer that has been ropey and now isn't okay. versus beer that has not been ropey at all. Right. So maybe give it 12 months. And uh, uh, I, I've given it? it eight months so okay. far and it's just getting lumpier. <laughs> right. It might not be the same chemistry involved. Yeah, in the, yeah. In Un- unfortunately not, I don't think. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, but you've had some successes, I presume. Some... Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything else has worked really well, and it's been really quite interesting, um, the, the different flavours. So uh, one of them I've done, uh, it was a, a, a late year, 
production of honey. So the, the honey was um, jarred sort of August, September time. Another one was in spring. And the, the difference in flavours there was really quite profound. Oh, really? Yeah. Because um, oh, different flowers are yeah, d- Different around. things flowering, yeah. yeah. So um, you've you got things like gorse that flower all year round. So that's mm. just like a, a kind of constant background flavour that is really nice. I mean, the, the flowers just kind of taste like coconut. It's a fantastic plant. But um, other flowers, uh, because of where Greenham Common is, where the honey's coming from, you do get profoundly different uh, floral varieties growing at different times of year. Mm. Um, so it does, yeah, it has has a real big effect on things. It's, it was really quite interesting. So what the the later one, uh, with all of your really nice um, summer flowers, it came out with this really quite strong pineapple flavour. Interesting. Yeah, it was really, pineapple. really good. Yeah. Because um, I know the, you can get some esters out of yeasts mm, that do have that pineapple edge to yeah, them, yeah, yeah. but just from pollen is yeah. Yeah, unusual. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and the early um, one, the, the the one that was produced in the spring, it was more just a much more smooth, traditional mead flavour. There, there wasn't anything, you know, kind of well, not interesting, but, you know, mm. different about it. Wow. Mm. So it, it just reiterates that point that if the ingredients list is two things you've really got to do your research on Mm. what one of them is definitely yes uh we did uh, just before we started recording have a brief look if anyone has done any research into water treatment before mead because it seems like you know if if it's one of the two ingredients it might be important maybe and no no one no one said anything about it there's nothing i yeah, it's it's kind of weird that you, you would think that it might make a difference, mm. but it, the fact that no one has said anything, uh, even people that have sort of made mead and then moved, and presumably their water profile is very different, and they just haven't mentioned anything. So yeah, yeah. maybe it doesn't. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. There, there was there was one theory about that, that I did see is is um, that a lot of the changes in water chemistry. Uh, happen uh, because of the malt and and the effects that the water chemistry has on the malt. And so if that malt is not there, then it makes less of a difference. And Mm. brewing with honey is more like brewing with extract where it's all of that extraction's already happened. You're not dealing with starches, you're dealing with just sugar. So there you go. Take your honey, mix it with water. Job's done. (laughs) Yeah. Job's done. Should Should we maybe try some yeah yeah no, some delicious great. ones here first let's have a look at one of yours okay think, to begin with all right we can go for that yes T- what can you tell us about this particular mead uh so this one has been bottle aged uh for <laughs> 13 months now um yeah. the flavor has definitely changed over that time so this is one of the ones that originally uh tasted like pineapple oh um, but that flavor has now disappeared um, not entirely sure where it's gone, but it's it's in just like a, a cork bottle that's not particularly massively well sealed, but it seems to have done really well. Yeah, nice. So uh, you do notice changes in mead over time definitely, as well? Definitely, definitely. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. You'd you'd think it would be a bit more stable with the higher ABV, but yeah. presumably, yeah, it's just as susceptible to aging as everything else. Yeah, yeah. So it certainly seems that way. And as an interlude, as you're pouring this, have you ever seen any sort of barrel aged meads? I have not, but I can well imagine that was something back in the day. Because um, that was the only containers they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to ship things a long way away, uh, how else are you going to get anywhere, I guess? Exactly, exactly. All right, well, it's uh, it's looking pale. It's looking yellowy. Uh, 
it's also looking very slightly hazy. Yeah, it, oh. it, it is quite. If you get it in a, a, a larger receptacle, when it came out of the Demijohn, it was really, really quite, quite hazy. Mm. Yeah. Do you find you get sort of yeast sediment on the bottom of the bottles that you are aging it in? Or? I I'd say yes, but then I I am just using like bog standard, basically baker's yeast. Right. Um. So I I'm going to be experimenting with some other yeast to see what happens. But yeah, yeah there, there is there is a bit of sediment left over. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've got to ask you if you've got any projects coming up, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll save that until yeah. after right. <laughs> uh, after uh, having a little go on this. So yeah, there's um, there's almost no carbonation, um, as as I presume is traditional for old strong yeast. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeast, de- yeah definitely. That the, the funny thing was that when it first came out of the demijohn, it was it was almost like lager levels of carbonation. It wow. was really, really like it, it tasted absolutely amazing and chilled. It was just one of the best things I've ever drunk in my life. But mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's it's all gone now. Yeah, so you can have mead chilled yes. as well uh, to have it more refreshing. We are opting for room temperature. Uh, I believe it's going to give us more subtleties of flavour and that type of thing. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, um, that's what I think. So I, I always kind of treat it as like a, a dessert wine kind of thing because mm. it is so sweet. You can't have a huge amount of it at a time, I find. Well, the uh, I've just stuck my face in it. The aroma is unusual, unique. I, I'm not a big. Uh, I've not have uh, a big tradition of drinking mead, so I don't really know what is usual. But to me, that is unique. That's something I've not really smelled before. Yeah, I honestly think that that's come out with the the bottle aging process. It was not mm. this sort of. So there's, there's a slight alcohol burn. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then there's that that smell of sweetness yes. if that makes sense like yeah, it, yeah. it does smell honey mm. uh which is yeah really interesting and hopefully what you'd expect uh oh yeah yeah de- de- definitely i i think there's a slight bitterness to the smell as well and i think that is just because maybe the the storage technique that i've used isn't isn't the the best right hmm well uh you've you're very familiar with it would you like to have the first sip sure and and Tell us uh, once you once you've had that sip exactly what you taste in it, and whether or not that's changed over the time. Oh yeah, it's really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you do say so. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Daryl, be modest. Um, I mean, it still just has that amazing honey flavour, and it has that. It definitely coats your tongue quite. Mm, yeah, that is very sweet, mm. very big honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, wow. The the thing that keeps it sweet presumably you've got a lot of sugar in there and the yeast eat as much as they can and then stop because it's too alcohol yeah too much alcohol uh so you presumably could easily tweak that and make it drier by having less definitely so yeah so some of the recipes that i've seen for uh the the lower abv um meats it's it's sort of you're looking at your lower end ones where it's sort of uh the the dry the dry meads are sort of two pounds of honey per demijohn, and the sweet ones are up to about six pounds. But I'm using nine pounds of honey, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. I mean, they're they're I'm really striving for the, the the alcohol content, but definitely the the sweetness really really hangs around. Mm, it's, yeah. yeah, it's good. It's lovely. There's mm. there's definitely a sort of caramel edge to it, even though mm. there's no caramel in here. Definitely, definitely. And the honey's not been caramelized. Yeah, which, yeah. It's, that's amazing that that's a thing that can happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I don't really know if there's much sort of uh, in the way of that sort of floral subtlety that you're still getting a year later. I, I think that's kind of gone, unfortunately. It was a lot more complex when, when it was mm. first first brewed. 
But um, yeah, that seems to have faded over time, unfortunately. It's still very lovely, still very big taste of honey in that. So that's good. You like it? That's what that's what you want. <laughs> yeah. And is, do you know roughly the ABV on this? Or? Uh, I think this one's uh, between thirteen and thirteen and a half percent. It's around that ballpark. Nice, nice. Uh, when you get up that high, it doesn't really matter as much, yeah, does yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Let's have a look at another one. Okay, next up, we've got a commercial wine. Uh, we've got uh, Moniac Mead, which is made for Highland Wineries. It is a uh, wine bottle-sized mead at 14.6%. They, they go into a little bit of the history of yeah. the phrase honeymoon on the back, hmm. where apparently you would drink uh, honey and mead after your wedding for a month, and that was your honeymoon. It sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, I'm going to crack it open. Uh, so what, if this is a Scottish mead, is there anything special about that? Um, I, I guess it totally depends on where it's from, but like um, the botany of Scotland isn't necessarily as varied as it is down here. And I think definitely it will be similar to uh, the, the floral arrangements that you have on Greenham Common, it being an area of heathlands where you get lots of heather and things, which is very similar to what you're looking at up in the highlands of Scotland, where it's just heather, gorse, and lots of Scots pine growing. Yeah, and um, having a look at it now, straight out of the bottle, it's a lot darker It's uh, th- than your one. Your one was uh, particularly pale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost uh, sort of whiskey in colour. Um, nice, almost barrel-aged look. And very, very clear. From the nose, that you can yeah <laughs> smell that that's very different that's almost sort of white winey levels of uh, actually knowing that this is a highland wineries selection mm. it's very possible that they have used wine yeast maybe in it uh, i know that yeah. that is some of the things that uh the weaker uh modern mead producers use is is wine yeast mm. um because it's so good at fermenting out everything um, but white wine does tend to have a very distinctive aroma to it, which I am getting from that. There are subtle tones of honey as well. Definitely. But not as big as yours. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess I'm I'm going to have to try it. I'm going to have to see how much fermentables they left in and how much of it is all fermented out. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's... A lot less sweet, a lot more floral. Jeez, wow, we. God, yeah, yeah, that's Heather. Crazy by the throat a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely wild Scotland. Yeah, flowers everywhere <laughs> in that one. That's really, really jarringly different. Yeah, but a lot less sweet. Um, a lot more zingy and and uh, which completely the opposite of what I was expecting. Looking at it. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much the same. I, I wasn't expecting something that that dry. From the, the colour of it and the smell, I thought it was going to be another really quite potently sweet one. Mm. I'm not getting any of that white wine flavour either. They're like they're, that's, that's gone. That's entirely on the aroma. But yeah, wow. That sweet honey and, and floral. I presume that's a heather-based sort of floral notes coming through. Or maybe gauze, as you say. I don't there, there does seem to be like a tiny bit of lavender or something in oh, there. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Definitely not the kind of thing you can knock back in large amounts, but it's, yeah, it's very, mm. very nice. And uh, so would you make something like this? 
I I would like to. I mean, it, it does seem like a, a bit more of a, a grown-up version of the mead that I'm doing. <laughs> a bit a bit more refined, definitely. Um, I, I presume it's had some processing as well to be that clear. Yeah, I mean, it, it is quite profound. And the the honey that I use is um, it's a mix of clear honey and set honey. So I think that might be why I get the sort of much more pale, slightly yellower color. Whereas this is that kind of really rich runny mm. honey color so how how does that change the product the end product it being clear or or not uh, honestly i don't really know i've never really experimented with it I, I can imagine it's just a lot easier to work with runny honey than it is set stuff mm. because you have to definitely heat set honey to get it to do anything you want it to do and also there's added wax and all kinds of stuff that could increase chances of infection and yeah. all sorts yeah so if you're not pasteurizing yeah it could be potentially dangerous but if you're if you're bottling it uh, for the mass market presumably you do have to pasteurize and 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 very strictly control what goes into it oh yeah i, I can well imagine yeah. well it's uh it's nice it's uh it's got that old typeface on it that makes it look medieval oh yes uh but only on the word mead which is yeah. unusual uh, and it does <laughs> specify under the word mead that it is made with honey which, you it's, know, you'd hope. You'd really. hope. You'd hope. <laughs> right, should we move on to the third and final one? Yes. Right, what, um, can, what can you tell us about this one? Well, I'm really looking forward to this because this is the, the mead that made me think, oh my goodness, I really love mead. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is the uh, Lime Bay Winery's uh, traditional mead. Um, and it is just literally traditional, but very, very kind of nicely well-crafted mead. Um, and it says on the back that it is a small, dedicated West Country company passionate about producing delicious, award-winning drinks. Mm. And this is definitely one of them. So um, we've had mead from all around the country. Yeah, yeah. So we've had West Country, Scotland and Berkshire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, it looks it looks similar in colour to the, to the Moniac. Uh, perhaps a little bit darker, actually. Um, much more sort of, yeah, like a dark caramel colour. Um, again, like n- none of them have been very carbonated. There is there is a few little bubbles on the top of this one, but uh, it could be could be a hint of carbonation there. Yeah, I reckon so. Uh, I, I suppose if they are using those wine yeasts, mm. you're probably not expecting to see quite as much. Uh, yeah, potentially. It it does have a similar aroma mm. as well to the Moniac. Yeah, um, very dry. But I'm getting a floral notes just from the aroma perhaps a bit more than i did from the moniac um nothing huge though the, Mo- the moniac had a bit more of a sort of dank earthiness to it um mm. whereas this one yeah it smells light like it's going to be very refreshing yes and very sweet very sweet at the same time <laughs> it is uh yeah 14.5 so you're you're talking very very similar abvs as mm. well yeah but uh yeah you since this is your memory train why, why don't you have the first sip <laughs> all right let's have a go uh again they, they do call themselves a meadery a winery as well rather than a meadery so presumably they also do wines Who they, knows? They, they do they have quite they a large selection of wines that they produce mm. all, all kinds of um traditional wines as well like hetero fruits and things like that uh, so presumably a lot more experience doing wine than mm. yeah and yeah. I, I suppose mead still being quite a small market is not really the kind of thing that right. one can lean on entirely yeah. unfortunately so what did you taste then? Oh, it's sweet. It's so blooming nice. <laughs> you just drink drink the whole blooming bottle in one go, I think. But it does, Ooh. it definitely has some of that floralness to it that you can smell. Mm. But then there's still 
as as with the the Moniac, that there is a slight dryness to it. It's not as sweet as the one that I produced. No, d- yeah, definitely sweeter than the Moniac, but mm, yeah, the the sort of pollen floralness is yeah, it's other than pollenus i don't i don't know what words yeah. <laughs> uh, need experts use tasty tasty yes uh, it's yeah it's good um it it definitely feels like uh my preconceptions before doing the episode was mm. that mead is a drink without much variety mm. and um they are quite similar but they are still very different and yeah, it's yeah. i could see that i would prefer one over the others if i was in a certain mood and mm. and vice versa Yeah, I I suppose one of the issues that large producers of mead will find is that trying to keep all of your honey of single provenance is going to be really difficult because it's unlikely that you're going to have massive, massive honey farms somewhere in in the middle of the West Country or the middle of Scotland even. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they might be kind of getting into one of these cooperatives that buy up a lot of the honey from smaller local producers and just mix it together Mm. and then they're producing it from that so it might be that it's slightly more homogenized honey so that you do get similar flavors and just hope that there is enough of one particular thing that is Mm. dominant in that region to stand out over the mix yeah yeah definitely well you can hope well yeah (laughs) anyway so these have been absolutely lovely before we uh before we go what exciting mead projects have you got on the horizon uh so um i'm gonna go and see my dealer in the next couple of weeks and pick up (laughs) pick up a a bunch more honey so uh, enough to do two more brews uh and i picked up some uh champagne yeast Mm -hmm. and some lager yeast um so i i've i've since i lasted a brew i've picked up some some temperature control stuff for doing brewing so i'm going to try and keep them within the ranges that maybe we you would see champagne being brewed at and and lagers being brewed at and just see yeah, what nice. effect it happens nice. because there's so much sugar in there the yeast is just gonna have a marvelous time whatever you do with it i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah you get some quite pokey uh lagers out yeah. there um yeah. and there's there's many yeasts that can handle the higher abv needed so mm. some that can't there are some that peter out at only sort of eight percent and so on but mm. uh yeah which I imagine would make a very sweet mead. Yes, yeah. Well, apparently the champagne yeast that I've got, it can get up to between 18 and 20% ABV. Wow. So that is going to be amazing. <laughs> so are you going to purposely try and make that as dry as possible? Yes, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to try and get it as high as I possibly can. So and, aim for gravity that will end up with that having almost no sugar left over. Yes, I think that could be quite interesting. Yeah. 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 Whereas the lager one, yeah. I mean, you get some box and stuff that are just like... Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's nice and sweet and big and heavy yeah. and lovely. Mm. Yeah. Plus now I'm thinking about all the other yeasts you could... Oh. Yeah. Anyway, that, that might be an episode <laughs> for another time. Definitely. I must say, thank you very, very much for talking to me about mead. Well, thank uh, you very much for listening. It's been great fun. It has, it has. <laughs> uh, if, if you're interested in... Uh, getting in touch with us in any way about this or or, um, or our beers or other fermentation variations. We have a social media presence. Just look for at by the mash tun, all one word, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and so on. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for a nice bit of kit, obviously we haven't used any uh, of the ingredients from the Malt Miller today, but still do check them out. They're, they're a great bunch of guys, and they answer questions in a very knowledgeable way and... Um, I, I am I'm very happy with the new kit I've just bought from them. They're, yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. Anyway, uh, next episode, I think Cal is going to be looking at brewing a table beer, which could be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a super low ABV 
pale ale. Uh, not quite in the realms of non-alcoholic. We'll get to that eventually, but just give us some time. Until then, I think that's all we got. So bye. Bye. <laughs>